coming up on this 4th of July edition of Golf Today. A rare Tiger sighting over in Ireland. Tiger Woods in the field at the J.P. McManus Pro-Am, and he's on the course right now at Adair Manor. The big question, how's Tiger looking as part of his prep for the Open at St. Andrews? We're going to have those highlights coming throughout the show. And just how good is this field with eight of the top ten players in the world? Who is playing well over in Ireland? We're going to show you that later in the show. And back here, stateside, on the PGA Tour, the postman sending it on Sunday at the John Deere Classic. Find out why this was an emotional victory for JT Poston as Golf Today starts right now. Golf Today, brought to you by PointsBet. Well, it's a rare treat that we get high-quality golf involving some of the world's best players on a Monday. But that's exactly what we're getting today. First round of the J.P. McManus Pro-Am kicking off in the early hours at the famed Adair Manor in Ireland. And it is a star-studded field at the J.P. McManus, to say the least. Ten of the top ten, top 12 players in the world are teeing it up. The biggest draw, of course, 15-time major champion Tiger Woods got his first round going just after 9 a.m. Eastern time. First time we will be seeing Tiger Peggett since he withdrew from the PGA Championship at Southern Hills after that third round, 79. Look at some of these other names, including world number one Scotty Scheffler, Xander Shoffley, a recent winner, and John Rahm. Hello and a happy 4th of July. I'm George Savarikas alongside Golf Channel's Eamon Lynch. Eamon, just one of those days where the entire professional golf world it's focused on Ireland. And it's also a wonderful reminder that not everything in this game is actually about money anymore, which is a sentiment that's been lost because not one of these guys has been paid a nickel to show up here. They do it out of respect for J.P. McManus. In fact, when J.P. reopened Adair Manor a couple of years ago, he got Rory, Shane Lowry, Padraig Harrington and Paul McGinley to play an exhibition match. None of them were paid for that either. It wasn't even actually raised as a possibility that they'd be paid for it. This is something that people do out of friendship and loyalty to McManus, which is saying something in this era. Yeah, it's really a testament to J.P. McManus, who first started this event all the way back in 1990. We haven't seen it contested, though, since uh, 2010. Yeah. So to have these type of players turn out for this is pretty spectacular. What would you need to see on the back nine today or, say, round two tomorrow at the J.P. McManus Pro-Am to think, okay, maybe he's added something to his game that could show some positivity going to the Open? Just, I, I suppose, if anything, you would say you just want to see a little physical comfort. You don't want Tiger to look as though he's in any way drained or exhausted, particularly since he's riding a golf cart out there today. It should not be a physically taxing round of golf. There's not a lot of ups and downs at Adair Manor, and he's riding from one shot to the other. In terms of what he does, in terms of shots executed, I'm not really paying a lot of attention to that, to be honest, George, because I think this is merely just knocking off the rust. He's going to go play some Lynx golf in Ireland between now and going to St. Andrews, and you would expect that his game would be a little more tuned to the demands of Lynx golf by the time he gets there next week. This is a kind of a for him, it's still a hit and giggle. It may be meaningful. It's for a friend. It's for a charity. But it's still a hit and giggle. It's knocking off the rust, nothing else. For golf fans, and I would say for me, just watching Tiger from the Masters to the PGA Championship, I didn't know that there was a discernible amount of improvement when it came to Tiger's ability to walk 
for 18, 36, 54, ultimately is where he cut it short versus 72 at Augusta National. We're not going to be able to really see that since he's taking a cart today and tomorrow at the J.P. McManus Pro-Am. But that, to me, is the, the, the biggest question, is how can he handle 72 holes walking at the old course, which should be a significantly easier walk compared to Southern Hills or Augusta National. It should be, but it's still, to your point, 72 holes. Mm -hmm. And it's exhausting. And it's not just 72 holes, because presumably Tiger's going to go out and play a couple of practice loops as well, even if it is just nine holes yeah. each day out there. So he does have a lot of golf coming up. It will be interesting to see in the six, seven weeks since we last saw him at Southern Hills if the, the physical endurance has built up a little bit more. He looked ill at ease by the time we got to the weekend at Southern Hills. And then with the, that final round heading out there in, in pretty cold, miserable conditions, there was no reason for Tiger to go out there and be cold and miserable and stiff and sore. Um, but those conditions could prevail all four days in St. Andrews. Right now, the forecast for St. Andrews looks pretty decent. Highs in the upper 60s every day. That's manageable for Tiger Woods, but Tiger also knows that could change in a heartbeat over there. I'm curious, in this comeback, at what point is Tiger just going to reach this base level that that's where he's at versus, hey, it's 14 months since the accident. There's still incremental gains that he can make. I, we don't know where that tipping point is yet. Maybe Tiger doesn't fully know uh, what he can ultimately get to. I'd be shocked if he knew what it is. I'm, I'm sure he knows what he can't get to, but what he can get to, he's never going to be the athlete he was before. He may not even be the athlete he was in the couple of years before the, the crash. Where that baseline is remains to be established. And to me, this year is, I suppose, if nothing else, it's a year of gratitude that he's actually out there mm. playing. By the time we get to the end of this year, and we're a year on from the, the father-child challenge that he played in with Charlie last year, then maybe that's a better time to start assessing the progress the Tigers made and what's actually possible as far as the schedule moving forward. And just a reminder, we have the full broadcast of the J.P. McManus Pro-Am on Peacock right now. That's where you can catch all the action. We're going to have more highlights as things develop over at Adair Manor later on Golf Today. So our Rex Hoggard is the reporter on site at Adair Manor and with news surrounding this week's field. And for more, we welcome in Rex Hoggard. Even at one of the game's most laid back and relaxed events, the conversation inevitably went back to live golf. And it became a little tense, actually, on Monday at Adair Manor. You had live golfers warming up next to non-live golfers, warming up next to Jay Monahan, the PGA Tour commissioner, and Keith Pelley, the chief executive of the DP World Tour. But as Padraig Carrington explained before his round, we have to all figure out how to make this work. All these guys are my friends, 100%. Uh, I haven't got that deep into the Ryder Cup side of things yet. I, I know I talked about it the other day, uh, about the competitive side of it. I really don't know what the right scenario is going forward for the, for the Ryder Cup. I know when it comes to this week, they're my friends. This is a little bit like, uh, you know, being here is a little bit like Christmas dinner or Thanksgiving for your family. You know, you could have a, 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 a sibling sitting there and you could be, we'll Americanize it, you could be a Republican, they could be a Democrat, but you're all friends at that, at that particular time and maybe politics isn't mentioned over the dinner table. So we're here for two days of, of and it's great to see, you know, golf is getting a bit of a hard time at the moment, you know. It's great to see, look what we can do with golf. Look at the money that's raised here. Look at the people that are going to enjoy this weekend. It's great to see what golf can really do in, in a situation like this. And as I said, it's 
it's fantastic. So it's, it is a little bit like, as I said, like a, like a Christmas dinner. Everybody here, and they are, they are all our friends. Everybody is friends here. So, you know, on an individual basis, this, this is not a difficult situation here this week. We're all friends. Uh, and as regards, as you said, the Ryder Cup, I really haven't got into what's on the table, what's the proposals, what's going to go forward. Uh, outside of that, I, I, you know, this week we're, we're here to have, have fun, and it's, it's so far so good. Now, there was some news this morning. Patrick Reed had been on the entry list for this week's Scottish Open, but according to a European tour official, he had been, quote, withdrawn. Now, Patrick played last week's Live Golf event, and the European tour ruled recently that those players would not be allowed to participate in the co-sanctioned event. George? All right, thank you, Rex. Uh, as to be expected with what Keith Pelly had laid out in advance and with PGA Tour Commissioner Jay Monaghan as well, that Patrick Reed is withdrawn from the Genesis Scottish Open, and it seems like a few dominoes could be falling in the very near future with this. I would expect so. It's no surprise that Reed was withdrawn from the field. This is, it for the first time ever, a co-sanctioned PGA Tour event. Reed, like the other live players, is suspended from the PGA Tour, so it's no surprise that he would be bounced out of the field. Litigation will be and is ongoing at this point as some players, not necessarily all of the the live golfers who were suspended by the PGA Tour, but those who intended or wanted to play the Scottish Open this week are and will be seeking an injunction in, in the British courts to try to get themselves forced into the field. But what we're seeing here is the, the pushing forward to the point where it no longer becomes the happy families that Padraig Carrington just talked about. And it actually isn't already. I mean, there were widely reported comments at the weekend where Lee Westwood suggested that players on the DP World Tour weren't smart enough to understand what's coming for them. And Sergio going on a typically infantile foul-mouthed rant at the locker room in Munich last week as well, which has also been widely reported and was tweeted about by other players on the DP World Tour. So the, the level of resentment is building up. And when the legal action starts, that's probably what's going to bring a lot more enmity into this situation than has existed before. Golfers like to talk to each other in very respectful terms mm. in public. But what this has come down to now is guys, particularly on the DP World Tour this week, it will be an issue on the PGA Tour going forward. But the sentiment is you want to go play the Live Golf Tour? Fine, go ahead, take the money. Don't come back here and try to take food off my table as well. And that's the sentiment that you're going to see hardening over the next few weeks. Yeah, and I, w I was at the Travelers Championship, uh, PGA Tour stop a couple weeks ago. And I would say, generally speaking, um, the, the, the sentiment wasn't, to, uh, I want to say, like, anger-driven or forceful. There were certain players or PGA Tour veterans who felt that way about live golfers. But then during that week with the players' meeting, and to your point, the players found out that if there's legal action taken and how that would be funded, part of it would be through pensions on the PGA Tour and operating revenue that's generally allocated for purses. I think that's when the temperature will really ratchet up where if there's a lawsuit pending and guys are paying it for it out of their pensions, predicated on other guys who used to be members who are now playing for the live, then you'll see much more animosity between the two sides, especially coming from the PGA Tour side toward live golfers. And you may even see it this week if other players have to be in the event that live golfers do happen to win injunctive relief in the UK courts and are permitted to play in the Scottish Open, those who are eligible, then somebody else is going to have to be bounced out of the field and not get the opportunity on what is one of the bigger prize purses mm -hmm. 
on the European tour this year. So there's, there's definitely going to be resentment adding up. It's not going to go away anywhere anytime soon. And you can understand why it's happening a little bit. And you see this in kind of almost any business dynamic anywhere, George, where a startup claims that it's going to usurp the legacy brand somewhere, but still has to be a parasite on that brand. And that's what these players are doing now. The need for world ranking points, the need to be front and center because no one's actually watching or following their own product other than as a curiosity. They are attempting to use the tours that they have left to try to build up a rival business. And that generally doesn't sit well with the people who feel as though they're being, their brand and their business and their tour is being exploited to build up someone else's. We, we see the legal steps that are being taken in the British court. Uh, have you heard anything in regards to any legal matters with the PGA Tour here in the US and live golfers? No, Poulter's on record as saying he planned to appeal his suspension, which of course is not uh, legal action. But as of now, I've not heard anything from any PGA Tour sources that anyone has attempted to litigate on this side of the pond. And that's what we thought we had heard on the front end, was that once they play in Portland, then we'll see those next steps occur in the US, but nothing to this point. Nothing, no one seems to be eager to take that big jump yet. It's assumed that it's coming, and even in this case, it's going on in the UK. It's very particular in terms of seeking an injunction to play this week in Scotland. And even if the DP World Tour were to lose, it might turn out to be a hollow victory for the, the Live Tour guys because it could ultimately force an entire rethink of, of the business of the European Tour down the road where they start to realize that they can't do this independent contractor business and have to actually contract their players, which would be a radical change for the world of golf. But at the very least, if the Live players win, they shouldn't expect uh, a lot of warm welcomes in the locker room this weekend because the, the hostility is definitely going to grow. There's no way around it. All right, something to watch for going forward in the Rolex series returning, like we mentioned, DP World Tour heads to the Renaissance Club for the Genesis Scottish Open. Notables in the field this week, and like Eamon mentioned, first time that this is a co-sanctioned event between the PGA Tour and DP World Tour, and you look at that list of players. You have Sam Burns, Patrick Cantley, uh, Cameron Smith, Jordan Spieth, Justin Thomas, 14 of the top 15 in the world rankings, Eamon. When you see that list, what comes to mind? It, it really elevates a national championship that has had the perfect spot in front of the Open Championship on the schedule. And for golf fans, how, how much better does it get than to have two consecutive weeks of the best players in the world on Lynx Golf. If you're a golf geek, this is your Super Bowl these couple of weeks. <laughs> 100% back for the next two weeks. So as Golf Today rolls on, <clears throat> what a week it was for JT Poston, <clears throat> making it a historic Sunday in Illinois. JT becoming the third player in John Deere Classic history to win in wire-to-wire -wire fashion. Highlights from his memorable performance when we return. Caesars Sportsbook is the only sportsbook app with Caesars rewards. That means win or lose, every bet brings you closer to the types of perks only Caesars can offer. Like hotel stays at over 50 iconic destinations, bonus bets, daily profit boosts, tickets to the game, dining, and so much more. Whether you're a new or existing customer, Caesars Sportsbook is always rewarding. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Caesars Sportsbook. Don't just spectate, participate. 
Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Back at it on golf today. And remember, you can catch the full opening round of the J.P. McManus Pro-Am. All you have to do is head over to Peacock right now. We're just showing you uh, some of the best highlights and, of course, tracking Tiger Woods, who's currently four over through 10. We're going to have more from Tiger just a little bit here on golf today. Final round of the John Deere Classic on Sunday. Eamon, when you have led after the first round, the second round, and the third round, here's what you want to do to start your final round on Sunday, his approach to the first. That's a statement. That sends a message to everyone else in the field that he ain't going anywhere. JT Postenwick birdies on the first, second, and third hole out of the gates at TPC Deer Run. This to put the finishing touches on a wire-to-wire victory, and that is his second win on the PGA Tour. First one was back in 2019 at the Wyndham. So how often have we seen wire-to-wire -wire winners in the long history of the John Deere Classic? Not too often. JT, just the third player to do so first in 30 years since David Frost back in 1992. Scott Polk, the first player to do so. That was in 1980. So here's Poston after the win chatting with our reporter last week, Kira K. Dixon. JT Poston is a wire-to-wire -wire winner here at the John Deere Classic. JT, what does it feel to just be able to finally take a breath after leading for four days in a row? It's nice. It's nice to get it behind me. You know, it's something that I've never really done before or experienced. So sitting on the lead for that long is not easy no matter how big it is. And so I'm just happy to play solid enough to get it done. Describe what the day was like for you today. Uh, I know you had some up and downs there, a couple of bogeys, but you were able to, to grind it out for the win. Yeah, it was definitely a grind. I think the, the greens were a little bit firmer and the ball was going a little, a little bit further than yesterday. So it, it took us a little longer than probably we would have liked to adjust to that, but um, it was great to... Thanks, buddy. <laughs> Congratulations was, from Miliano. Yeah. yeah. Um, it, was, it was just great to you know grind it out and hit all the right shots, um, make some pars, and, and make a birdie there at 17. There was a lot on the line today. Of course, the win, and then you're going to the Open in St. Andrews. I, you've talked all week about how special that would be, but now that it's a reality, uh, describe the emotions associated with that. I'm so excited. I've always wanted to play in one. It'll be my first one, and I'd love to play at any of the venues, but for the first one to be at the home of golf at St. Andrews, I, I mean, I can't draw it up any better. I'm, I'm pumped. And last question, uh, your, your caddy, Aaron Fleener, told me that you've been working on swing changes all year long, and it's kind of been feast or famine. Sometimes it clicks, sometimes it doesn't. To finally see it all come together, uh, how, how special is that to you to see your work pay off? 
Yeah, I mean, I've worked my ass off. Um, my swing coach, I owe him a lot of credit. He's helped me out a ton. I've got a great support system back home. And um, <laughs> without them, then I don't know. It's it's hard out here, you know. <laughs> um, I've had so much support from home, uh, from Kelly. And from Fleener, and um, you just never know if you're going to do it again. And to, to knock it out this week is awesome. <laughs> Congratulations. You're winner here at the John Deere Classic. Thanks. Thank you. That's what you love seeing in sports is the raw emotion. And you could tell JT Poston had some doubt as to when the next win would come, especially as he's dealing with the highs and lows of swing changes. He's a pretty stoic guy, yeah. very easygoing. I mean, a very easy guy to get along with. I was kind of surprised to see that pour out of him. You could see just how meaningful it was to get back to that point. And it's also a reminder, George, of where JT Poston was over the last year, he missed the cut in the two FedEx Cup playoff events last summer. He then started this season by missing his first six cuts. That's eight in a row where he didn't work a weekend. And then he started to kind of claw his way back. It was a made cut here. It was a top 25 there until he finished tied third at the RBC Heritage earlier this year. He got another top 10 at the Wells Fargo. And then he finished tied second at the Travelers the week before last. And now he wins this week. It may seem like it's you know, a, a, an overnight success story, but he's been in some very, very deep valleys this season alone, much less over the last few years since that win at the Windham in 2019. Well, and to get to play in the Open for the first time at the old course at St. Andrews, I was talking with a, a past Masters champion a couple weeks ago and was saying, okay, what favorite major venues? And he said, well, Augusta, you're in and you're out, but when they have the Open, at St. Andrews, that's probably the best major experience you can ever have. And it's the 150th one to boot. I mean, it's anybody who plays this game for a living wants a spot in the field there next week. And to be one of those guys who's not only earned the spot in the field for his first Open, but his, his first in St. Andrews, and he's going there with form. And it's interesting to see, when you look at his statistical profile, he doesn't excel in any particular category. And there are certain areas this week, when you win, you're always going to outperform your norm, but it's striking just how much JT Poston outperformed his, his performance of late this week. I mean, you take strokes gained approach, he was 10th this week. He was 183rd on tour last year in that category. He's 119th on tour this year in that category. He led the field in strokes gained around the green. He was tied 134th in that category last year in the PGA Tour and is 66th. This year, so whatever he's working on, he, he's finding traction with it clearly. Yeah, it went from a part of his game that was detrimental to clearly a strength last week that he rode to getting a second win on the PGA Tour. Now let's take a look at the final leaderboard from last week at the John Deere Classic. JT posted a, a three-shot win over Emiliano Grillo, who we heard congratulate him during that interview. He and JT and Christian Bezetno all getting spots now in the open. You see those three claret jugs. That was for uh, the top three finishers who are not already exempt among the top ten. So here is the uh, leaderboard from the Horizon Irish Open. You see other players that uh, already are exempt for 
the Open, and it was Adrian Moronk, 20 under par, final round 66, he was able to win by three. So golf statistically, uh, you know, one of the hardest sports to win. We're going to take a look at the winners who didn't win. You can be a Hall of Famer and win less than 5% of the time that you compete. So we're looking at the players, maybe leaving the Quad Cities, or you could even say the Horizon Irish Open, who didn't win but feel like they should have won something. I'd go back over to that Horizon Irish Open leaderboard, the guy who finished in a tie for fourth, David Law. He had great potential at one stage in his career. He was twice the Scottish amateur champion. It was controversially left off the 2011 Walker Cup team, which has been played at Royal Aberdeen in his hometown the year he won a second Scottish amateur title. He's 31 years old. He's never played in a major championship, but that 67 yesterday at Mount Juliet Estate put him into the Open Championship. Pretty close to home next week. Yeah, I'm going to go with a, a player who's just starting his professional journey and has been on a pretty decent run now, making three consecutive cuts on the PGA Tour. Of course, I'm referencing uh, Chris Scotterup, who closed out his final round on Sunday with birdies on 16, 17, and 18. Scotterup, with, with that performance and that T4 finish at the John Deere Classic, uh, now has likely played his way into the Corn Ferry Tour finals, so at least have Corn Ferry Tour status could potentially play his way onto the PGA Tour. Missed it by a couple shots of getting a, a spot in the open. But what he did, it, and you touched on this earlier in the show, led the field in driving distance, was second in stroke scanned approach for the, the modern archetype of a successful player on the PGA Tour. He seems to have uh, the two most important ingredients at the outset of his professional journey. And what you just described as the birdie, birdie, birdie finish, that would suggest that he has between the ears what's required out there as well. And let's not forget, he also finished top 10 on the PGA Tour back at the Puerto Rico Open. He tied for seventh as an amateur. So if you wanted to buy stock, just push everything into this kid. I mean, to have two top fin 10 finishers on the PGA Tour this season and five starts, obviously the first one coming as an am, uh, the last four as a pro, it shows that he's ready to compete and contend as a professional. Here's a look at the Comcast Business Tour top 10. The reason this is so important since 2009, every player who finished in the Comcast, Comcast Business Tour top 10 has played their way to the Tour Championship at East Lake, and this year the FedEx Cup winner will receive $18 million. No surprise, it is Scotty Scheffler in the top spot, followed by Sam Burns and Roy McIlroy rounding out the top three. Among the top 10, you see Max Homa currently closing out at number 10. Well, this is a game, George, you could drive a man to drink, even a threesome as talented as this one. Jordan Spieth. Justin Thomas, Ricky Fowler, they're in Ireland for the J.P. McManus Pro-Am, getting in some early Lynx golf prep ahead of the Open. We'll show you where they've been after the break. Caesars Sportsbook is the only sportsbook app with Caesars rewards. That means win or lose, every bet brings you closer to the types of perks only Caesars can offer. Like hotel stays at over 50 iconic destinations, bonus bets, daily profit boosts, tickets to the game, dining, and so much more. Whether you're a new or existing customer, Caesars Sportsbook is always rewarding. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Caesars Sportsbook. Don't just spectate, participate. 
Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Golf Central Update, brought to you by Callaway Golf. What a way to get your first for Adrian Moronk at the Horizon Irish Open. Final round 66, only player in the field to get to 20 under par. Pick up at 72 holes. It's Moronk with a three-shot victory. That's his first W on the DP World Tour. Had won once before that coming on the Challenge Tour. So taking the next step in his career. Look at the final leaderboard. And with that win on Sunday, Moronk becomes Poland's first ever winner on the DP World Tour. Ryan Fox was in solo second. So, and golf fans uh, have one of the best fields that you're going to see all year in a pro-am. That's J.P. McManus opening round of this two-day event over in Ireland. And with more on the action from Adair Manor, let's bring in our Rex Hoggard once again. Now, this event and Adair Manor are the exclamation mark on what's been a magical week-and-a-half run for Irish golf following last week's Irish Open. And for those who call Ireland home, it's an opportunity to flex a little bit and to be proud. You know, playing tournaments in Ireland is great. Playing, you know, I went out and played Pormarnock last week. It's, you know, one of the best golf courses in the world, in my opinion. You know, you're down here to Mount Julia to play the Irish Open. You know, another great venue, another great golf course. And, and the Irish people just love golf. You know, golf is a very... I see golf in Ireland as a very kind of, um, you know, definitely more affordable and easier to play, play than a lot of countries. Um, you know, and, and people in Ireland, everyone has access to golf and they just love it and they love coming out to support us and not only golf but just our sports people in general and it's just great to play in front of your home fans. It's incredible. Like we have, for a small country, we have so many amazing courses and it's like everyone seems to play and everyone follows and sports it. So it's huge. I don't know where it ranks in the sports here, but we like, as, I mean, obviously I played it growing up, but a lot of people I know played and are into it and follow it. So it's, it's extremely popular. And I always say it's like people in Ireland definitely love golf because, you know, like, you know, you get some rainy days and it's, it's so different from golf in other countries. You're walking, you're pushing your cart and it's raining, you're the waterproofs on and you're still out there batting away. And it, it, people love it. You know, it's great. We have some beautiful courses and a lot of players that love to play. I think the whole thing is good as it gets. There couldn't be anything better than this. We, we have everything. We have some of the great links golf courses. We have now some great parkland golf courses. We have some fa fa fantastic, uh, a fantastic environment in general. OK, you get mixed weather, but you put up with the weather when you come here, you know? Like, as I said, 10 minutes ago before this, I'm in a T-shirt. It was beautiful, sunny. Now it's raining. You get mixed weather in Ireland, but it, you'll always enjoy the occasion. No rain whatsoever. Favorite golf course in Ireland to close it out? Oh, you're putting me on the spot now. That's a, you know, my favorite golf course in Ireland is a long answer. So when it comes to Lynx golf courses, Portrush, Port Marnock, Ballybunion, uh, favorite experience in golf in, in, golf in Ireland, Adair Manor. 
uh, really is the best all round everything about a golf course, hotel, clubhouse, every the whole facility. Uh, I like the K Club as a as a as a as a real good tournament preparation course. So lots of options. There's so many options in Ireland. Come play golf in Ireland. Now, pay particular attention to the crowds today here at, at Adair Manor. According to officials, it's going to be about 35 to 40,000 people on property each day. Now, put that in context. In five years, when this golf course is scheduled to host the Ryder Cup, officials say there won't be that many people on property. George? So you hear guys j just glow about the golf experience in Ireland. If you talk with any friends who have done trips to go play golf in Ireland, obviously everyone raves about it. But when we look at the schedule and the landscape in professional golf, it seems like the Irish Open has always struggled to find a, a consistent home on the schedule that will draw players comparable to what we get at the Genesis Scottish Open leading into the Open. It has struggled with, with the schedule. And prior to this year, it had struggled with the sponsor as well. The PGA Tour was actually partially responsible for Horizon coming in as the title sponsor of the Irish Open this year and putting it back on a firm financial footing. And, you know, they, for a few years, they had the players start to host the tournament and try to bring in some of their friends. I remember so Rory, Rory McIlroy hosted it. I was there it. in 2016 when he won, and Rory was the host that week. And Paul McGinley hosted it after Rory as well. And part of what Rory also did was put it back on the most iconic Lynx courses that we had seen as well. You know, back in 2019, for instance, when McGinley was hosting it, it was at Le Hinch. The year before that, it was at Ballyliffin. The year before that, John Ram won at Port Stewart. All fine Lynx courses. The problem is you're never really going to persuade the best players in the world to play three consecutive weeks of Lynx golf. It just it throws them off too much from the fundamentals that they make their money with week in, week out on the PGA Tour. And I think the Irish Open would benefit from a different date. I'd love to see it played on the best Lynx courses. We're not going to see that anytime soon. The next three years, it's committed to be played at the K-Club where the Ryder Cup was, the owners of which are playing the Pro-Am with Tiger today at Adair Manor. So we are going to see it being played on courses that kind of look like Florida with slightly more mixed weather, as Padraig Carrington just said. We're not going to see it on the Lynx courses. And in that case, then perhaps the Irish Open would benefit from a slightly different date on the calendar than being right abutting the two weeks of Lynx golf. I remember when Rory hosted it in 2016, they did it back to back with the BMW PGA at Wentworth. We'd be curious, OK, as the landscape with scheduling keeps shifting, with the PGA Tour or DP World Tour, where do you think it could potentially land that could attract uh, more of the top players? I would, in the ideal scenario, see it come after the FedEx Cup has concluded here, end of August, and before they start that final sprint to the race to Dubai. So somewhere in that September window, to me, gives the Irish Open the better chance of grabbing the better field. All right, well, uh, ahead of this week's Scottish Open, we've talked about buddies trips to Ireland. Uh, how about this? Justin Thomas, Jordan Spieth, Ricky Fowler took an earlier flight across the pond, spent some time in Ireland. You see here with the goat at La Hinch. And we don't mean Tiger as the goat. <laughs> Jordan Spieth hitting that shot totally uh, unaffected by the patrons inside the ropes and in a way a very refreshing sight to see the three buddies Reunited on a golf trip. Remember uh, their, their antics on spring break in the Bahamas, but now getting in some uh, prep work before the J.P. McManus Pro-Am. And, of course, uh, Justin and Jordan prepping for the Open at St. Andrews. And there's the guys uh, having a pint or two, as think, one would. Do you think this was before the round or after the round? Because it's acceptable at either end of the scale. Why couldn't it be during the round? 
That's awesome. Maybe that's uh, your stop at the turn. <laughs> well, we're on full Tiger Watch this afternoon. When we get back, we'll keep you updated on how the 15-time major champion is doing in his first competitive appearance since withdrawing from the PGA Championship in May. Stay with us. Happy birthday, America, and what could you want more as a present than Tiger Woods playing competitive golf on a Monday? We'll have the latest update on the 15-time major champion's first appearance since the PGA Championship. And Tiger has plenty of elite company in Ireland. Rory, Ram, JT, Jordan, Scotty. They're all playing today in the JP McManus Pro-Am at Adair Manor. We'll tell you whose European vacation is off to a good start. And JT Poston became only the third wire-to-wire -wire winner in the history of the John Deere Classic yesterday. We'll break down how he delivered. Golf Today continues right now. Golf Today, brought to you by PointsBet. What a Monday pro-am throughout the year on the PGA Tour, but none really get the acclaim of having 10 of the top 12 in the world in the fold at the J.P. McManus Pro-Am over in Ireland. The real headliner, though, Tiger Woods making his return. First time we're seeing him tee it up competitively since the PGA Championship. You can watch the full tournament broadcast live right now on Peacock. We're going to have highlights throughout our second hour of golf today. So with that, hello and welcome into this 4th of July edition of Golf Today, hour number two. I'm George Savarikas with Eamon Lynch. And Eamon, it's... I mean, nothing short of amazing to see the caliber of player that has made the trip over to Ireland to be in this Monday, Tuesday Pro-Am and then teed up in the Scottish Open as well. Yeah, and, and some of them aren't even eligible for the Open Championship. In a couple of weeks, we saw Ricky Fowler mm -hmm. is out there with Jordan Spieth and Justin Thomas. Ricky's not in the field in, in St. Andrews. And that, to me, speaks a lot to the, the caliber of relationships that J.P. McManus this Irish billionaire has with these guys because not only has he managed to get them there to play in mixed weather in Ireland, but he's not paying them for the privilege either, and that says a lot these days. Seeing the pictures of the galleries following him, the setting looks spectacular today at Adair Manor. Can you imagine what that place is going to be like a few years from now when the Ryder Cup goes there? Although I did see a funny quote this morning from John Ram who suggested that J.P. McManus may need to spend a little bit more money to de-Americanize the course <laughs> in the European team's favor by the time we get to the Ryder Cup in 2027. Through 12 holes, Tiger Woods three over. What type of grade would you give him so far from what we've seen? To me, it's not even a grade day for Tiger at all in terms of, of the execution. Tiger's here for friendship. He's not here for genuine open preparation. That's going to start when this Pro-Am ends tomorrow. And then wherever Tiger goes onward for a little Lynx golf tune-up before he gets to St. Andrews, that's when Tiger's going to start working on the particular kind of golf that he needs to play. This kind of golf here at Adair Manor, softer parkland course, it's entirely alien to what Tiger's purpose is in Europe. I, at this point, I imagine that he's just trying to stretch out the body a little bit, get familiar with swinging in a competitive environment. And it's as easy and casual a competitive environment as he could find this side of the father-son event with Charlie. Guys can have a different feel with their body day to day. For Tiger Woods, it's to such a heightened degree, given the, the toll that his body has taken in the last five to ten years. So I think this acclimation period of playing this for a couple days, you, 
you feel some of the competitive juices. Then leading into next weekend, you think he's going to be at St. Andrews early. Um, I, I think that's what he can really pull from these next couple of days. How am I feeling? How sore am I? What's the recovery period like leading into the Open? That, the goals can't really be anything much more than that. And it's easy to forget just how few competitive starts Tigers actually made. In, in 595 days since the end of the Masters in November of 2020, during the pandemic, that delayed Masters, Tigers made two competitive starts, which was a Masters this year and the PGA Championship this year from which he withdrew. And that, that's nothing in the grand scheme of things. So the fact that he's going... The fact that he made both cuts was amazing. That, that first round at Augusta might have been the most remarkable round we're going to see on tour all year. No matter how many guys can go out there and break 60, Tiger 71 at Augusta, to me, will probably still be the round of the year. And those were both courses that he'd won on. The third major this year at Brookline was not a course he'd won on. He wasn't physically recovered, didn't play. But St. Andrews, he's won twice. No one's ever won three Opens at St. Andrews. Jack won a couple. Braid won a couple there as well. So Tiger could become the first to do that. And the one thing he has going for him is that the institutional knowledge of the old course holds up over time. This is not a course where they're out there changing it every week at all. I mean, they've been playing golf over that piece of ground for twice as long as the United States has existed. And, and it is the oldest major championship in the world. Tiger is intimately familiar with the holes in that golf course. The demands haven't changed. The only thing that will change is the weather. And to me, that's the biggest variable for Tiger out there. We've seen how he is today in conditions that aren't exactly like Jupiter, Florida, over there on the west coast of Ireland. He's probably going to get something a little bit better in Scotland, but his body is hostage to whatever the weather throws at him. I was talking with Steve Stricker uh, a few weeks ago at the Regents Tradition, and he said, I love playing in the heat because if I'm in my mid-50s now and it's chilly, I just wake up feeling old. And I'd say Tiger in chilly conditions looks old. So you, you would probably need a week. What do you think weather-wise at St. Andrews to think this is best for Tiger's body to potentially handle four rounds? Probably a hot whiskey in the morning <laughs> and another one in the evening. We're not talking about how you prep, you, but what would be good for... Well, however bad you feel in the morning, it doesn't have to be as bad as you're going to feel all day, George. I, <laughs> I, I do think in, in Tiger's case, the trickier one is going to be whatever the early tea time is because it's going to be pretty brisk on a Scottish summer morning. Even if the highs get up somewhere around 70, that's a heat wave over there because they don't have an air conditioner in the entire country. But if he can get the look of the draw on his side a little bit as well, there's always the chance that the, the weather could turn sideways on him at St. Andrews. Over the last couple of opens there, it's been more wind than anything else is a problem. That's not going to be a particular problem for Tiger. In fact, the tougher the conditions without cold, the better it is for Tiger because yeah, then it rewards guile and experience and shot-making skills. You're saying the tougher conditions in cold would... I would say tougher conditions in terms of the weather demanding more imagination and strategic savvy from the players. If it's cold, it's just simply not going to be good for Tiger. Yeah, and, and to your point, in 2015, in regards to the win, we had that day that was basically lost because of the high wind 2010 was when Rory McIlroy opened with 63 shot a second round 80 yeah. in the win when Louis Oosthuizen went on so it's been a big factor a big part of the storyline for the last two editions of the open at the old course when golf today returns Rex Hager joins us with more on Ireland's own Leona McGuire who made history earlier this year when she became the first 
woman from Ireland to win over on the LPGA Tour. She's out on the course at Adair Manor today. We're going to have more after this. College golf fans followed her standout career at Duke, thought it was just a matter of time until Leona McGuire would win on the LPGA Tour. So we're going to flash back to February. She made a little history for the women's game. This was a final round, 67. The rising star cruised into the winner's circle for the first time at the Drive-On Championship at Crown Colony. Why was this important, Amy? Well, she was the first ever Irish winner on the LPGA Tour. Made a lot of news back in Ireland. Yeah, she returned home to a, a hero's welcome as she continues to be the only player to fly the Irish flag on the LPGA Tour. Her win even got the attention of Irish President Michael Hingen, who tweeted out after her win, congratulations to Leona McGuire for her historic achievement in becoming the first Irish LPGA Tour winner at the Drive-On Championship. Another fantastic Irish sportswoman leading the way internationally. And you can catch first round coverage, JP McManus Pro-Am right now that is airing live on Peacock. And with more on Leona, let's send it to Rex Hager. Now, after Tiger Woods and Roy McIlroy, the main attraction here at Adair Manor is going to be Leona McGuire. She won earlier this year for the first time on the LPGA Tour and captured the attention of an entire nation. Yeah, I mean, it was it was nice to get that win under my belt so early in the season. Didn't expect it that early. So, yeah, the goal was to put myself in contention as many times as I could this year. Um, did it a few weeks ago again at Meyer and, and came up a little bit short in the playoff. But, yeah, I think special attention to the majors in the next few weeks. Evian and British Open coming up. So they're sort of where the, the focus is right now. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, you'd like to be up near the top of the leaderboard every week. But that's golf. Um, the only cuts I've missed have been on pole and the grass, so I uh, haven't quite got the hang of that yet. So, uh, no, I mean, I've, I've won once, I've lost in a playoff once, I'd have taken that at the start of the year, top 10 in the US Open, so um, I know how to contend, so it's just, just a case of trying to do that as more and more throughout the year. I mean, never in a million years would I've dreamed to be at something like this. This is, these are the lads I grew up watching on telly and, and all the crowds and everything, so yeah, very fortunate that JP has me here this week and uh, yeah, I'd enjoy it. Now, Leona said she was looking forward to spending some time with Rory over the next two days and maybe even having a chance to have a conversation with Tiger Woods. But it wouldn't be the first time they met. She actually took a picture with Tiger at the 2006 Ryder Cup at the K Club, and it wasn't lost on her that back in 2006, she was watching the action from outside the ropes, and now she's inside the ropes next to her idol. George? All right, Rex, speaking of McGuire, let's see who's in the race to the CME Globe. This is our update, and given that the LPGA Tour was on a break last week, the race remains unchanged since the conclusion of the KPMG Women's PGA Championship. Minji Lee still at the top spot, followed by Jennifer Cupshaw and Lydia Ko, and you can see that bottom note. McGuire just outside the top 10. She is currently in 14 in points. Let's get an update on the Epson Tour. That's part of the road to the LPGA Tour. Here's a look at the upcoming schedule. This week, the players pay a visit to Albany, New York for the Twin Bridges Championship at Pine Haven Country Club. Then later this month, the tour goes on a Midwest swing, starting with the Firekeepers Casino Hotel Championship in Michigan and the French Lick Charity Championship in Indiana. Coming up, Paige McKenzie joins us with a closer look at JPT Poston's game. What signs did she see to signal that his victory was on the way? Paige shares her insight right after the short break.
It's that time of the show here on Golf Today. That is time now for Winning Moments, presented by Windgrips. It was JT Poston who captured his second PGA Tour victory at the John Deere Classic. Poston is needing a final round two under 69 to become the third player in John Deere Classic history to win the event in wire-to-wire -wire fashion. It's been enough for a three-shot victory for Poston. So with more on Poston, let's welcome in Paige McKenzie to this 4th of July party here on Golf Today. And Paige, uh, what stood out to you from JT Poston's game plan and how he picked apart TPC Deer Run last week? Well, I followed kind of the JT Poston story. Eamon, you highlighted it earlier in the show. It started out with a really tough start to his season and then has shown some good promise and after coming off of a runner-up finish last week when he got in this position from start to finish again wire to wire is not easy he did he had a very specific game plan and he talked about it after each round this week i think tomorrow uh, regardless of where i stand starting the day i'm going to try and go out there and shoot another number like that or shoot another solid five, six under or something like that and stay stay aggressive and not just kind of coast. I didn't want to kind of take my foot off the gas. I wanted to try and, you know, build that lead as much as I could uh, going into tomorrow and going into Sunday and um, just try and, you know, go as low as I can. There's still a lot of golf to be played. You see the scores on the leaderboard today. Guys can go low, and I'm sure one of those guys that are right behind me are going to shoot a number like that. So I'd... I can't go out there and kind of play defensive and, and just try and par it to death and hope that it, it works out. I need to go out there and play aggressive and play to the last hole, to the last putt. Will you have a number in mind then for tomorrow? No, not really. I think, you know, I'm just, again, it's, it's one, one hole at a time, one shot. If I start thinking about a number after at the end of the day, then that's not really sticking to that game plan. So mm -hmm. I'm just going to – I've been getting off to good starts. I've been making enough birdies to where – uh, I can shoot a low number if I can keep the mistakes out of there. So I'm just going to try and keep making a bunch of birdies. Well, he did he did get off to a good start in that final round, but it wasn't as easy as the first three rounds. We talked about earlier in the show that he's not known as a great ball striker. You can look at his strokes gain approach last season, negative. This season, entering last week, Still not in positive territory, below average for the PGA Tour. But those first three rounds, he absolutely striped it to put himself in position to where he could go out and be aggressive that last day. However, a good plan is only great if you can execute it the whole way through. Started out with three birdies to, to start out, but you can see that the ball striking let him down towards the end. I think what's impressive, guys, about what JT Poston did yesterday is that when his strength for the week, which was his ball striking, let him down, he was able to continue to get it done, to grind it out, and to finish out, to run through the tape. And that was the message all along, was run through the tape, finish the 72 holes. Uh, and coming off that runner-up finish last week, I think he learned some of those lessons then that he was able to take into this last week uh, and finally get it done. Well, Paige, he certainly stuck to his game plan, but of course the game plan is what you work on when you're inside the ropes in a tournament setting. Clearly he's been working on a lot of swing stuff outside the ropes and at home as well to put himself in this position given the struggles he had earlier in the year. Without a doubt, Eamon, and, and he talked about the, the work that he put in and the grind that he had in those off weeks and the changes that he made, but he also gave credit to his coach. Take a listen. You know, I've worked really hard on the golf swing. i got to give my coach, John McNeely, a lot of credit. He 
he, uh, he and I have worked on the golf swing a little bit from a technical standpoint uh, in the last year. And um, I would say for the last few months, it's been in a good spot. I just hadn't quite seen the results. And then Hilton Head, I had a good week. Uh, Wells Fargo had a good week. And then last week, playing well. So I think it's starting to kind of come together and starting to see the results and seeing the shots and kind of building that confidence uh, back into my ball striking. I would say that was kind of the theme last week was I hit, I think my strokes gained approach was really good and um, just ball striking in general. I'm hitting a little, a few more fairways, which allows me to be a little more aggressive with the irons and uh, my iron play and distance control has been really good. So it's, it's, I've been able to give myself a lot of those kind of 15 footers, 10 footers. All right, here is the evidence. Uh, coming into last week, he was averaging point, negative 0.246 strokes per round in strokes gained approach. And then last week at the Travelers, or I say two weeks ago at the Travelers, two shots around strokes gained approach. And John Deere, again, even considering the final round where he was negative strokes gained approach on the field, finished 10th. Uh, in his field rank. So enormous improvement over his ball striking the last couple of weeks. You can see that or you can hear him talk about how trending he was trending coming into this week. And I think the biggest word that I took from that is confidence. It's one thing to, yes, you can go hit the physical aspect of it, but then how much that can buoy your confidence into getting it done and ultimately winning a golf tournament, I think was huge for JT Poston. Confidence is a dangerous thing for a golfer to have when he gets on a run like that. Watch out. You can put together. We've seen two great weeks out of JT, and who knows what uh, could be in store for his first time pegging it at the open at the old course. Yeah, that's the kind of place you want to be going to in the form that he's in right now. 100%. All right, Paige, I uh, appreciate the insight, and we're still tracking, of course, Tiger Woods. Well, this was Matt Fitzpatrick. Remember, it was just a couple weeks ago. He's winning the U.S. Open at Brookline, and then Matt Fitzpatrick on the Today Show. You see this from the U.S. Open Twitter handle. Matt Fitz wasn't ready to let go of his trophy just yet. I'd be clutching that, too. Come on, you got to get acclimated to it. So Fitzpatrick earlier today at the J.P. McManus Pro-Am and just talking about what life has been like the last couple weeks coming off winning a U.S. Open. I've, I've never played here before, so it was, it was all new to me. Um, I think for Ryder Cup, if we want to sort of make it an advantage for the Europeans, uh, probably need to tighten the fairways a little bit, um, grow the rough up a little bit, you know, how, how we like to. Um, but, um, you know, the, the greens are a tough test. Uh, you've got to put it in the right areas on them. Um, you miss them, it's almost impossible up and downs. The... the um, the difference in elevation from missing the green um, is really difficult. So, um, yeah, it was interesting out there today. Just, uh, you know, like I say, it's in, it's in great shape and uh, it was enjoyable to play. 27 years old, major winner, US Open. How does it feel to, to be the, the new role model out there? Um, a bit weird, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I mean... I'm still looking up to guys that, that that are older than me, so it's weird to, I guess, have other people, if that's what you're saying, look up to me. It's uh, it's a bit different, but um, no, you know, it's for me, it's, um, you know, I've just got to feel like I keep doing what I'm doing and, and try and stay as grounded as possible, and, and I feel like with people around me that I've got that. Um, 
and you know, yeah, I, you know, I'd love to be a role model for for younger players and and younger people just to, um, you know, just keep doing the things that I'm doing and and like I say, stay grounded. What sort of shape are you going to St Andrews, and and how how much are you looking forward to being there? You know, going there as major champion. Well, I just shot seventy eight today, so. Um, no, I, I feel like my I feel like my game's, you know, in in, in fine shape. Like uh, you know, it's hard to tell. You know, I've not played since. Um, next week's a golf course I've played well round before, which is nice. Um, so it's kind of like eases me into St Andrews. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've I've hit plenty of balls now and um, played today. I actually drove it well and, and hit it well. Just just didn't really put well. So um, yeah, just um, I, like I said, I, I'm just looking forward to getting back into sort of regular routine and, and, and playing regular tournament golf again. I know after your win, you said you were going to talk to a couple of lads who've won majors already. Have you have you done that? Have you spoken to Rory or not yet? No, no, not had chance. No, not had chance. So uh, hopefully in the next two weeks, maybe you know, just have five ten minutes. Okay. Yeah, have you sp- have you spoken to Tiger yet? This week? Uh, it's funny. <laughs> I bumped into him at breakfast this morning. Um, he he was walking. We walked past each other, and and he kind of. You know, he gave me a pat on the back or whatever and said, well done. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's a pretty nice feeling. <laughs> Just finally about St. Andrews, your record there, and how do you think it will suit you next week or the week after? Um, I mean, I've only ever played it in the Dunhill. Uh, I've never played it as a uh, in an open. So, um, you know, obviously that, that, that event's three three other courses uh, or two other courses. Um, not really had that many good finishes there but obviously again it's different kind of format so um just have to see but yeah looking forward to to playing it and obviously like i say it's going to be different for the open how would you compare the course and in particular the greens to all the various different courses you've been playing on uh yeah you know it's in my opinion apart from the elevation changes it's very similar to augusta um you know and um certainly the green slope um sort of the elevation off the greens um it's uh you know that they all have very very severe runoffs and you just can't afford to miss them and you got to hit them in the right spots or put in is difficult as well so uh that's what i found out today and um you know the the condition is it just you can't speak highly enough about it it's truly incredible here's a look at the odds for the open powered by points bet See Rory McIlroy, the favorite, plus 900. That would be 9-1. to one. Anything jump out to you taking a look at these names, Eamon? Well, Fitzpatrick, a 20-1 to one equivalent is a pretty good bet as well, George. I mean, he's, he's made 13 starts this year. You take a side of three missed cuts, and he hasn't finished worse than tie 18th anywhere around the world. Yeah, I'd, uh, I'd be taking a look at Xander Shoffley, who just had that win at the Travelers Championship, has had some success with close calls. In the open before, he is at 22 to 1. If you're trying to get a little more value, of course, with uh, big names like uh, John Rahm, Scotty Scheffler, Justin Thomas, they're 11 to 1, 12 to 1, and uh, 16 to 1. So, for those who haven't experienced it, why does the open at St. Andrews hit differently? It's the single greatest stage in this game. I mean, the, not only is it the oldest major championship. In the game, old Tom Morris hit the first shot in the Open Championship two weeks before Abraham Lincoln was elected president of the United States. This is the foundation on which this sport has been built, and St. Andrews has been its foundational home in so many ways. Even though the first 13 Opens were held at Prestwick, St. Andrews is, in every respect, the home of golf. The history of it 
is everywhere. Every great player in the history of the game, with the sole exception of Ben Hogan, played the old course. And many of the great champions in the world succeeded at the old course. And it doesn't matter where you look, there's history. And it's even when you look at those old films of the Open Championships, and a lot of them you'll see now on Golf Channel in the middle of the night, to be the 84 Open or you know, Jack's it's wins the best in the 70s. Insomniac, then you, <laughs> you, you get to take this all in leading up to the Open. And there's one little detail that I always love spotting in those. When you see the champion walk up the 18th hole to the right of the, the walk up 18 is the old Tom Morris golf shop. And in so many of those videos, you'll see a lady with her head hanging out the window watching from her apartment as the, the champion's walking up the 18th hole. That's Sheila Walker, the last living relative, the only living relative of old Tom Morris, his great-great-granddaughter, who's a retired librarian, never played golf, never had any interest in golf. But that's the, the history that's still there in St. Andrews. And, you know, halfway down that fairway is the, the new clubhouse in St. Andrews. That's where old Tom died after a fall in, in 1901. So it's the, or 1906, I believe it was, the, the history is everywhere you go. You play into the town, you play out of the town. It, it's simply, there is no stage like it in sport, to my mind. When you're having the open experience, and, and what was told to me this year, I think Paul McGinley had mentioned it, they're shutting down some streets around St. Andrews. Do they want to make it more of a pedestrian vibe uh, in and around the old course for, for spectators and those nearby, obviously, in the town of St. Andrews? But uh, how different is it that having a town built around the course compared to a lot of other open venues that we see? It makes you feel as though the golf came first and that the town grew up around the golf. And in a way, that distinction is kind of important in St. Andrews. And you may as well not attempt to drive a car in St. Andrews during open week anyway, because it's going to take you an eternity to get anywhere. Most of the players could simply walk back to the Old Course Hotel or Russocks where they're staying. And it's, the fans are everywhere. They come and stay in the town. You don't get a lot of them who are sort of day trippers in and out. You get a lot who are there for the week, for the full experience. And they, they take in everything St. Andrews has to offer. You know, it's the oldest university in the world in St. Andrews. And a lot of people will make the pilgrimage up to the, the top end of the town to the cemetery where old Tom and young Tom are buried, among many other great golfers of their era as well. It, there's a vibe unlike it anywhere else in the world of golf. And, you know, you, you can't walk past the Dunvegan bar behind the 18th hole and without seeing a lot of very recognisable faces in this game. The only mistake you can make is if you actually walk into the bar <laughs> one of the nights that week, because then you're not getting out without doing some serious damage. As, as golf fans, and that's good to know, uh, we've been spoiled from an excitement standpoint with the US Open won by Matt Fitzpatrick, uh, the PGA Championship, the last two majors, Justin yeah. Thomas winning in a playoff over Will Zalatoris. If you look at recent Opens at St. Andrews, 2015 was spectacular. Jordan Spieth was going through the, for that third leg of the Grand Slam that season. Zach Johnson ultimately uh, wins in a playoff. And then in 2010, it was Louis Oosthuizen in a blowout. Previous two to that were Tiger Woods. So it's kind of oscillated between gripping and uh, a coronation where you knew the end result long before the winner was, was ultimately crowned. Any gauge on... The old course now, modern game, 2022, what type of open it's going to be like? We had Podrick Harrington on the show on Monday of last week, and Podrick suggested that those who have played opens before will have no advantage, and that those guys who know the golf course 
from playing the Dunhill links on the DP World Tour will also have no advantage because he thinks there will be a determination on the 150th Open by the RNA to protect the golf course from some outrageously low scores. So Podrick suggested quite explicitly that he thinks there will be pins that no one's ever seen at the old course before. And, you know, the greens are enormous. They don't lack pin positions, but there's also a lot of subtle slopes when you get out towards the end or edge of those greens and some not so subtle slopes as well. So it'll be very interesting to see the golf course set up when we get there because ultimately the setup has to allow for the potential for the weather changing as the day wears on because the, the tradition with St Andrews is invariably that you have the wind at your back going out and then it turns into your face when you get to the 12th tee and you, you play all the way back into the town and you can't really get too extreme in terms of pin locations at a golf course where the weather could shift, shift so dramatically during the course of a few hours. I've never heard protect par in the RNA or protect the course, I guess, is a different concept than protecting par, but you would have some commonalities, you would think, because previous Opens, uh, 15 under was in a playoff in 2015. Louis stays in 16 under, won it in 2010. Tiger Woods in 2000 was 19 under when he had that eight-shot victory. And Faldo also won at 18 under par on the old course as well. It's those were in sort of different eras as well and it, it can't be overlooked that for a lot of players in the field not even the longest guys in the field but for a lot of them there are a number of par fours that are reachable off the tee uh, at the old course you know nine is reachable 10 is reachable mm -hmm. 12 is reachable 18 is reachable and that leads to the possibility in benign conditions of an outrageously low score yeah, they don't want actually to see winning. 22 under or 24 under. Yeah, I don't think the RNA wants to see that at all, but the, the flexibility that's required in terms of how they set up the golf course to protect, if they are going to protect it, as Podrick suggested, if they want to protect against super low scores, they don't have a lot of wiggle room because the weather is so changeable mm. that what might seem like a reasonable pin position when it's calm in the morning could seem unplayable if it's windy in the afternoon. They don't have as much wiggle room as you'd think. It's almost like what we saw way back in the day after Tiger Woods wins the Masters by 12 and 97, the tiger-proofing uh, concept. The different version now of Tiger Woods that we're seeing at the J.P. McManus Pro-Am. Well, it's also the, you're now Matt Fitzpatrick proofing the old course as well. He's gotten longer as well, but he's not quite as long as Tiger in his prime. Uh, Tiger Woods on the 16th, the par three. Woods at four over on his round. Safely onto the green. This for Birdie. Trying to claw one back. Burns the edge. Remains at four over par. So Woods with uh, two holes still to go in his round. If you want to watch Tiger Woods close out his opening round at the JP McManus Pro Am, that full tournament broadcast. Remember, both rounds will be broadcast on Peacock for this two day soiree. Golf Today, brought to you by PointsBet. This season, don't just bet, live your bet life. And Geico, switch today and see all the ways you could save. And Cleveland Golf, chunk a little less with the more forgiving CBX Zipcore Wedge. And by Epson Tour, road to the LPGA.
So, Eamon, we're off at the top of the hour. If you want to be a couch potato this afternoon, here's what you can digest for your viewing pleasure today on Golf Channel. Golf Central, 4 o'clock Eastern time. School of Golf, the Open is at 5.30 Eastern. And then you can see full day one coverage, our encore presentation that was originally on Peacock, the J.P. McManus Pro-Am at 7 o'clock Eastern time. So, earlier in the show, we had asked you to... Send us a picture of you out on the course enjoying the 4th of July holiday. Here are some of those submissions. This one is from Justin. Happy 4th of July. It's daddy's, caddies. <laughs> How cool is that? Justin's living large today. Always good to have a couple caddies lending a healthy, happy hand. And this is from uh, Triggered Burke. That looks like a gorgeous Monday for your 4th of July. This from Mike Nelson, The Pines at Grandview Lodge. Nice little threesome scooting around the course there at The Pines. And from Pachi, happy 4th of July from the boys. Big little crew. That looks like a fun gathering. <laughs> All right, Amy, and take this next one. From Rinza Oxbow Golf Course, Columbus, Georgia. Couple of guys out there having fun. Looks a little steamy though. I, in that heat, I'm guessing Columbus, Georgia, this time of year, probably good cart weather. Although <laughs> I, I enjoy getting a, a walk in as much as I can, but certain days when it's toasty, I mean, you, you need a cart almost to cool off. Yeah, the Irish only see temperatures like that in the crematorium, George. I don't go out in weather in Georgia you, in you, June to play golf for July. Yeah, I was gonna say, <laughs> when's the last time you got out and uh, teed it up? Well, actually, that's, I, I felt a little note of regret earlier when I was listening to JT Poston talk about John McNeely, the, the coach who's brought him back to the winner's circle. John's one of the great gentlemen in this game, worked down at Congaree in Georgia, where the CJ Cup will be held later this year when Rory McIlroy's defending his title. John, give me the last lesson I actually had. That was in January. It was great. I uh, haven't actually played since. So maybe that was John's secret goal here, and perhaps someone to pay him to get me out of the game finally. You figured you had gotten too good, so it's time to step aside. Well, you don't have to go find it when you're on the range, George. Just the great joy of being on the range. No pencil in hand. And Congaree had hosted uh, the Palmetto Championship uh, last year on the PGA Tour with the CJ Cup in Ridgeland, South Carolina. I actually got out to a course that been wanting to see in the Chicago area for quite some time on, on Saturday. That was Chicago Golf Club. Uh, nice. Shout out to Dr. Kevin Most, uh, the host there. And I can see why people rave about that as uh, the best golf course in Illinois and one of the top ones you'll see in the country. That might get me back out of retirement. <laughs> that, that's, that sounds like a threat almost. For Raymond Lynch, I'm George Savarikis. Thanks so much for joining us.